think, Simon. The Circle in the Square on Difference, Part 3 by Cliff Griego. Recorded at Heartbreak Meadows, Northeast Oregon, Monday, the 23rd of April, 2018. Our avian soloist this morning is the great hermit thrush, Cathartus Gutatus. Well, he isn't quite back yet. They aren't quite back yet. But we're expecting the return any day soon now. So I thought it might be fun to tune into their song and bring that into connection with what we've been talking about around difference. So to summarize part one and part two, we have those 12 primary concepts in understanding the shape of change. I have to admit it's really hard to talk if I'm listening, it's impolite. Let's let him sound out. Isn't that beautiful? For our musician friends who aren't uh, birders, I'm not a visual birder at all. In fact, if I were honest, I would say, well, as much as I follow the hermit thrush, I probably wouldn't even recognize them at a distance. I never glass them or hardly ever, but I do listen to them uh, with a certain love and intensity. And uh, I wish I did avian photography but uh, um, I already have too many forks in the fire, like they say in Oregon. And uh, so I limit myself to doing landscape and water and flora, plant uh, photography. But I do record them with great passion, uh, not with great quality, but uh, uh, I'm looking out on the meadow this morning well, we were talking yesterday about uh, the not-so-great native invasive species, uh, Robin. That's uh, Turdus migratoris, the little shit that migrates in Latin. And they no longer migrate. Or uh, at least here, they seem to hang around. In fact, they'll even be up at in Montaigne. We're at 14, 20 meters here at Heartbreak. So the transition zone to high alpine conifer forest. Well, uh, there could be an occasional robin here, but now they've exploded and are exploiting the new opportunities presented to them by climate crisis in a warming uh, planet. So you can't blame them they're making an honest living up here. But they do profoundly affect what was here in a natural setting. And especially the other uh, songbird thrushes, like the Swainson's thrush, the varied thrush, which is in, under my watch here, the past five years has virtually disappeared. And I don't know why. And the hermit thrushes, to name three, excellent uh, musicians, far better than myself. And um, the reason I wanted to bring in the hermit thrush, we'll stop with all the field notes reports now, so bear with me, is that uh, the uh, robins behave like bullies and uh, they're ground feeders and they become very aggressive. That's why yesterday I started uh, to get to Simon Don. <laughs> to stop playing his beautiful trombone down there in Frio, Australia. <laughs> I put a warning call of the robin. Now that's a very piercing sound. 
So it's complex. Now we're back to the circle and the square. It's a very complex composite. It uh, is fairly pitched. Um, so it's a composite of uh, consonant and vowel. Otherwise, it wouldn't be pitched, right? And very percussive. Well, that must be a horror uh, uh, for the hermit thrush. And one last uh, comment on our cathartis gutatis that you might not know that unlike uh, human vocalists, birds have two vocal cords. And it's an absolute miracle how they use them intertwined. So if you listen very carefully to that uh, hermit thrush song, let's repeat just a little bit. So in terms of our new descriptive language, beyond much more generalized than notation of not just sound, but of movement that we've been discussing in the circle and the square, understanding the shape of change. So he's using, it is a male, I think. We're going to be talking about the sexes, so put on your crash helmet. The, he's using the vocal cords. First, he sings a very pure, as we say in the West, flute-like tone. Well, if you do play pickle or flute, it would be worth your while to try to learn the hermit thrush song. He makes a very pure sound, but he's singing unison with two vocal cords. And then he does a, a for in poetic terms, a flourish. He tosses off a, a very complex composite of tones, some of which, believe it or not, are what you call frequency modulated. Well, for people who haven't studied acoustics, that's what our friend, the great trombonist uh, Simon de Haan down there in Australia, is uh, a master of. That he's playing and singing frequently, especially when he's using one of his mutes, for example, the Harmon mute, and the tones are not separate. They mix in a complex composite. You see, that's why we need that language, simple to complex, in an eternal circle. So that's why you get this marvelous chord effect. Hmm? Something similar happens with a clarinet if you're doing multiphonics with the frequency modulation. Well, um, that's not what I wanted to talk about, so let's take it back to simple complex. Yesterday we were talking about three of the complementarities that are suddenly there once we start thinking in terms of not just sound, but of movement. So notice that the hermit thrush has a wonderful proportion of that primary complementarity. In Greek philosophy, they called them contradictories. That means it's absolutely one or the other. I'm not quite so sure about that. But it is a primary complementarity. Look at there, there's a ground pig running around. Oh boy, he's really... He's crossing the meadow. The robins have disappeared. But he makes sound and then silence. So he's calling out and then listening. And frequently, it'll take your breath away. But again, don't, uh, don't uh, believe me. You have to actually come here and experience it. They'll be here any day soon. So for me personally, it's a moment of great joy when they do arrive. So 
I hate to be away from the meadow because you feel like a beloved is returning and you might miss their, what the Greeks called nostoi, the great returning of, uh, for example, Ulysses. Imagine uh, uh, <laughs> taking 20 years to get home. Hmm? The great returning. Well, music and poetry and dance are a part, I think, of that celebration of the natural cycles which we've lost in the West. In India, I hope and pray, they're fighting too, because imagine what it's like to be a singer, a vocalist, in the great uh, tradition, say, of northern India, close to the Himalaya there, sitar, sarot, tabla, tambur, and that uh, you for generations have devoted yourself to music. And then you see the West coming in, like the great Mahatma Gandhi said, well, culture, what do you think of Western culture? And he answered, I think it would be a good idea <laughs> with his inimitable humor in wit. Well, just imagine what kind of an invasive weed, something like, uh, it's out of date now, YouTube would be enough, just MTV coming in. And then you can't keep any of your students, right? Because they want to go, like I tell my students, hey, babe, you got to have your three Bs, boobs, button, belly button. And, uh, well, that's, uh, that's all well and good. We're going to be talking about the sexes, so put on your crash helmet. That uh, I can imagine what it's like one of the finest musicians of the 20th century, the Ravi Shankar, this is not the Beatles. You have to, if you only know Ravi Shankar from the Beatles, that's all well and good. But it's much, much more than that. He's one of the few musicians, he recently passed away, of world stature that was fluent in both, both Eastern Western traditions. I wish I were, but I'm not. And that's a, a very great gift to the world because he was easily going back and forth. And there he was at um, watching Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock smash his guitar. Not yet quite 27 years old yet. And he was going that direction, too, of the weeds, the drugs, the money, the women, and all the rest of it that people do. And he said, he had a sudden flash of insight. He said, I'm out of here. So he gets on the telephone. I'm just improvising. And he calls his guru. That means teacher. It's not something funny or to make fun of. It's something very profound. He calls his guru, Baba, and he says, okay, I'm just paraphrasing, we'll put this in a Bollywood film, that uh, you can come back, but it's eight hours of practice and one bowl of rice for 10 years. So the great Ravi Shankar returned to India, and had that not happened, and he actually did that, that uh, had he not done that, well, he would have self-destructed the same way that marvelous energies, musicians like uh, Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix self-destructed. That's a kind of energy, and that'll bring us to our theme. So we're moving from hermit thrush to the two vocal cords. Study that frequency modulation. And there's Simon with his mute doing something very similar to a hermit thrush. Hmm? Natural sound, natural movement, simple to complex in an eternal cycle. Hmm. So there's India teaching music. The teacher is the taught, phrase by phrase, breath by breath without notation, without notation. 
that's a very healthy limit. We would all be well advised to give that a whirl. Learning music without notation, phrase by phrase, breath by breath. So, difference. A difference that makes a difference. Well, that hermit thrush, I'm concerned with all these robins. Because these bullies that come in, they can uh, uh, take over his and her space. And so perhaps that's what happened to our spirit thrush, the, uh, what's normally called the buried thrush. The relationship between sound and silence. That's not John Cage, with all due respect. We have a totally different way of looking at silence. Now, just to clear the air, such a beautiful moment. Is John Cage philosophically important for the circle and the square? Frequent listeners know I have a great admiration of John Cage in every single way. But philosophically, he's for the, philo uh, the circle and the square, not really relevant at all. And that's because we're rooting the circle and the square now in a much wider circle. If you're going to cage for philosophy, you'll be lost from the very beginning. That's our view. So we begin, where's that quartet? Socrates, the Buddha, Jiddu Krishnamurti, David Bohm. That's our philosophical foundation and heritage and background. And we can question them too. Hmm? Krishnamurti made a lot of mistakes, too. Perhaps similar, similar to Ravi Shankar in the beginning. But let's stick with our theme, difference. I only taught, wanted to talk about one. So we have that smooth, rough, sync, async, simple, complex. It's 6, 7, and 8 o'clock in our 12 primary concepts of understanding the shape of change. Understanding the shape of change. So we have difference. And once there is difference, there's complementarity. Now, up here in the natural world, we're seated at the foot of wilderness. It's a marvelous morning. No wind coming up valley. A totally blue Oregon sky. Well, the complementarity of the genders in the great Taoist tradition of the East and China did it come into being independent of Buddhism by millennia, the Taoist tradition, yin and yang, yin and yang. We've all seen that beautiful Taoist diagram of the white and the black chasing each other. And then perhaps, well, there's John Cage again. He introduced to musicians, but of course it was around much longer than that, that uh, uh, the Book of Changes, the I Ching. And you can actually uh, do music with the I Ching and chance operations. You see, that's why it's philosophically not just irrelevant, but it can lead you astray. If you say that uh, chance is imitating nature by her mode of operation. That's John Cage. Well, you see, chance, indeterminism, and then randomness, those are very deep concepts. And nature's mode of operation, in my view, is not based on chance, although chance plays a tremendous role, and not in the sense that Cage was using the word, the toss of the die. 
what's primary in our view, and we're just throwing that into the dialogue circle for the circle and the square, is intelligence, creativity, love, compassion. Those are all one movement of what? Of energy. Again, I don't think uh, you can hear it, but we could walk over there. We could walk over there. There's this rushing water sound. We're totally enveloped by it. And personally, I never like the hermit thrush. I don't feel at home if I'm not surrounded by the sound of uh, rushing water. There's always something missing if that sound is not there. And I'm not the only one. The very thrush, what I call the spirit thrush, only sings next to rushing water. And of course, you have the dipper. The piece we featured yesterday with Simon de Han with all those glissandi and what's a strange loop incipiently. We'll talk about that later. That's like an infinite waterfall. Well, I was thinking of him as a hermit thrush, which he's never seen. Then <laughs> bobbing around through the water and then finally coming outside of the water. Of a dipper. Well, a lot we can learn from birds and a lot we can learn from John Cage and Ravi Shankar. But the theme of smooth, rough, sink, async, simple, complex, and now yin-yang, complementarity. So at 12 o'clock we have difference. That can be anything. It's simply relationship, right? It can be qualitative. That's important. And then it can step into, it becomes more and more abstract and literal as it becomes quantitative. In my view, the uh, universe, those things, that energy is beyond mathematics. It's not being generated like fractals are, are, have not reached the generative essence of organic form. It's simply a way of describing it. And there are generative similarities, but it's much deeper than that and beyond that description. So, relative, qualitative, to quantitative. And then that's when you get the things of absolute measure. Well, in the West, we've gone totally and run away with absolute uh, measure. Hmm. Musicians are tortured to death by absolute. I get emails about A, what is it, A432 and things like that all the time by people who know nothing about music. And that's, all, that's uh, very lovingly, right? And so we're out here and resonance and all of these things we take very seriously. Sound we take very seriously. But let's not get stuck in measure, we always begin with the unmeasured. Mm. So that's the widest possible circle that's no longer a circle. That's why it's called the circle in the square. We're inviting very respectfully in all humility the unmeasurable into the house of measure. And we know well, as soon as we start to think about it, boom! Like that mountain bluebird, they sing as duo, the male and the female. I can see him. He's over on the uh, Hawthorne I call Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau. It's about uh, 50 meters from here. They always sing as a duo. They're always together, yin and yang, yin and yang. Well, So one of the primary 
complementarities. Without complementarity, no movement. So what's good and bad in the arts? Well, as we were talking about yesterday, balance is a good place to start. Hmm? Balance is a good place to start in movement. Nature is such a wonderful, marvelously rich place. So what is our art about? What do we need art for if we're up here in the world of nature? Krishnamurti used to say, what are the art museums about? I'm just paraphrasing. And I agree, there's our mountain bluebird. Well, for me personally, the arts are about celebrating the beauty of the natural world. That's one of their primary aspects. And part of that is the ritual of nostoi, what we were talking about, of return. Like for me, we were listening to ionization yesterday, Edgar Varese. Well, my friends in the lowlands, where I've done a lot of Varese, uh, they think Cliff is absolutely bananas. I'll tell them, well, yeah, I would, uh, I would do desert, but it's got to be winter solstice. And they say, Cliff, come on, we can't get those two tubas winter solstice, no way. <laughs> so they stopped asking a long time ago that they think that's totally crazy. Whereas our friends in India, they still know. You can take it to an extreme, and then it's just thought, right? That's when we need Krishnamurti. That's just thought. To say, okay, we're going to do this rag at uh, 6 o'clock, this one 7 o'clock in the morning. One. Yeah, it can become an utterly mechanical affair, like a clock, right? But the insight of resonance of music, what does it resonate with? Where does that resonance stop? What is relevant resonance? What is the relationship between relevance and resonance? They're very similar in a way. So notice in the classical art music, I've stopped that, by the way. When I say I do poetry, I don't say I do something like cowboy poetry or something. I, I just say poetry. And I've taken to, I just do music. Uh, forget about all these commercial categories, these pigeonholes they've crammed us into. I just do music. And hopefully it's good music. So how do we know? Well, let me do that little manifesto that's very difficult to understand, but only at first. Art is not its content. Art is a way of being that attunes itself to the good, the beautiful, the true, and the harmonious. That's here. That's that little ground squirrel. He's been underground for six months <laughs> under the snow. Talk about Nostoy, a returning. Do we have any idea the joy it must be to see sunlight again? To see primavera, first green of spring. To munch on that fresh grass, even if it's invasive cheat grass. It certainly looks good now. that attunes itself to the true and everything that it thinks, says, and does. Hmm? So art is a way of being that's not about its content. Content's there, but it's not what it's about. 
And then the second part is more difficult also for, for me. Militant resistance, or sometimes I say tireless militant resistance. That's too much triplet. Militant resistance. Now, who are, who are we resonating with? Mahatma Gandhi. Dr. King. Henry David Thoreau. Resonance. It has nothing to do with time. It's in its own world, beyond time and space. Militant resistance to all ugliness, to all violence, to all that dehumanizes the cultural landscape is how art, like science, is self-correcting, self-purifying. Well, that's a tough cookie, isn't it? Nonviolence? We were talking yesterday about circles as context and the size, it's an ugly way of speaking, but the breadth of a circle, how big it is. Well, we have the, yesterday was Earth Day, the whole planet, right? That's a big circle. But then Carl Sagan comes along and points a camera way out, 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 that it's still going out there, the Voyager 2, and we become just a mere pixel. That's pure poetry. That's where science, spirituality, and, and art are emerging out of a common source. That's very, very beautiful. That pale blue dot. Well, we should take heed. That's why we pay homage. So a circle, the widest circle, well, nonviolence is one of the very, very, very most important and widest. And what's hard to understand, but only at first, is the profound difference between peace and nonviolence. Peace is important, but it's a mere projection, right? We can imagine a state of peacefulness like this meadow at present. It's very peaceful here now. Whereas nonviolence is an actual practice that's not in the future, not in the past. It's always timeless, like a yoga, like Alexander technique. And all it does is take things away. So that's that cycle of self-correction. So in the circle and the square, we're tough. No BS. But we never descend. That is our hope and prayer. So we need help. This is a dialogue, right? So the teacher is the taught. There's no authority. There's no pope. If we need a pope, you know, this is a good example. If we need a pope to heal the sins that are causing climate crisis, we're already cooking in hell. You see, this authority, if we need that kind of false authority of Catholicism, it's one of the most violent metaphysics of all time. It's totally fake. It would help us on the short run. Bless him if we have a green pope. <laughs> but I've lived in the Alps. And part of my heart is still there. And I've seen what Catholicism has done to primal earthbound culture. It's absolutely devastating. Forget about the sexual abuse. 
This is much more subtle than that. I mean, the sexual abuse is just rampant runaway. Go to Boston. So, now is that, no, that is not attacking the person of the Pope. That is militant resistance. Nonviolence does, as the great Dr. King said, resist. You, just, you don't just lay down and let the tanks roll over you. in the spirit of nonviolence. That's why without nonviolence, we would not be in this meadow here talking. If the violent aspect of civil rights would have prevailed in the 1960s in North America, it would have destroyed the country. So circles, militant resistance, so we do resist, and what we resist are ideas. It only takes one bad, corrupt idea to destroy a human being, to destroy an entire culture, only one. So truth and ethics always go together. If one sees something that is felt to be true, you can always be wrong, but if you see something that you think that is true and you see it being corrupted and destroyed, your responsibility, especially with regard to young people, is to speak out, to defend it to say something, to do something, to put your body in the line, to say, stop. Well, corruption is not just in politics. Our art is totally corrupt from head to toe. So art museums, Krishnamurti was, well, what are they good for? If I want to learn to see and to love and to feel joy, I'll come with the ground pigs. <laughs> wallow in the dirt. Like Thoreau said, we have a little bit too much of culture, don't we? I'm looking at a ground pig. It's 30 meters away and it's catching the light. And that marvelous coat it has. The way that it catches the reddish orange. And they can be mischievous. Everything I've had has been, have has been torn up by ground squirrels. So big circles, resistance, spiritual resistance. So what does that mean? Okay, complementarity. And now, five more minutes and we're finished. We'll stop for the day. So complementarity, difference complementary. Where there's complementarity, there's movement. We'll come back to the Taoist later. Around and around, that wonderful yin-yang, around and around, an eternal cycle. Well, is it true, this is a question, that all fragmentation is a breaking apart of cycles. And what happens when you break apart a cycle? You get unnatural movements like runaway exponential growth is always the exception, not the rule. Why? Because it can only go on so long and it, it totally s collapses in potential self-destruction. It can become very uh, violent, especially when we're talking about humans. Well, much of human culture is in runaway. And not only is it in runaway, that means exponential, just more and more and more and more. Uh, but even worse than that, 
is that uh, what we were talking about yesterday with Frank Zappa, hydrogen isn't the most common element, it's ignorance. We are totally ignorant of that fact. That's how you get runaway, unnecessary difficulty in the cult of complicatedness. Well, in the arts and culture, confusion, in my view, is pandemic. That means we're confused about even the most basic primary things, like sexuality. Ooh, put on your crash helmet, because now everybody has their their darts and daggers, and oh, now what is Cliff going to be talking about? That uh, uh, let's keep it to the arts. We still have a couple minutes. Yin and Yang. Well, we started this talk was a piece of music. Huh? Now that's powerful music, just that dynamic rhythm of the trombone. A computer can't even come close to that. The spirit, the energy that's in that sound. Hmm? Now, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, that is what you call a yang, a masculine sound, not male, because it can manifest in both genders. And don't forget, we're speaking from the world of culture. Sex is here everywhere. We're not talking about those damn evangelical extremists that have taken over part of Washington. Utterly despicable human beings. It's all right to be a despicable human being in private, but it's another thing to force children into that mold. And it's another, another thing to force the whole Department of Education. We shall have an education system second to none. And back in 1962, they minted these people, I have no words for it. You can't blame them. Ignorance, right? But that we let them get away with it, destroying one of the greatest educational systems of all time, privatizing the whole damn thing. See that ground pig over there is listening. They don't suffer these things. So we're almost done. Gender, well, that's a very powerful masculine sound. So when people think about nature and music, I beg your pardon, and now we're not talking about John Cage. He was an excellent uh, mushroom man. They frequently think that uh, fluffy New Age, Hollywood, Zen Buddhism kind of stuff and that is um, personally, um, uh, in full disclosure, that's absolute anathema to me. And there are many confusions, nature and music. So they'll tell me, well, Cliff, this, is, uh, <laughs> this was composed up in Alaska and the Seattle Symphony is playing this huge wash of sound and, and that, uh, and it's supposed to be about the ocean or, you know, and I listen to it, holy cow, what a god-awful mess. The thing doesn't breathe. There's no rhythm. There's no sound. There's no movement. There's no nothing. And especially no complementarity. Forgive me. Of yin and yang. So just meditate on that. Here's another contentious sutra. We'll end with that. The feminine embrace of militarism. We're not leaving the girls off easily. The feminine embrace of militarism. And don't forget, 
that we fiercely defend full-spectrum sexuality. Who are you to say what is right and wrong relationship? Take your Bible. That has nothing to do with America or democracy. The First Amendment is about truth. that we have the right to say any damn thing we want to say against any person we want to say it against. First do no harm. The first one who suffers will be truth. So we embrace full-spectrum sexuality. It's not about that. But this disempowering of both genders, especially in North America, is in total runaway, in confusion. So now the wind is picking up, so we have to stop. But let's end with that little thing, because it's very, it inflames a lot of women that I know, that the feminist embrace of militarism. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about people like Clinton. The feminist embrace of militarism, these banker women in pinstripe suits that are really nothing but corrupt male energy, it has nothing to do with earthbound femininity. Now, is that true? I don't know. But I know when I'm horrified. The feminist embrace of militarism contradicts the spirit of liberation. That's what feminism is about, freedom. Is it just female freedom? Male freedom? Contradicts the spirit of liberation just as stridently as a former slave who now herself owns slaves. You see, where is the feminism that puts its foot down against all violence? To stop these runaway, egocentric men dead in their tracks. So am I impressed by female conductors? No, absolutely not. Is that sexist? No. Because if you step back from it, what I'm questioning, I'm not impressed with conductors. <laughs> Con conductors are worse than useless. <laughs> you see where I'm getting You have to take a bigger circle. Otherwise, you won't possibly understand what I'm trying to say. We don't need more female conductors in pinstripe suits. Like we don't, like the military... Too fat to fight, right? The North American military, let's laugh and we'll sound out with that. The, the North American military is so hard up to find men to throw into the meat grinder. Too fat to fight. Well, okay, so now we're going to debate. Let's have women on the sharp, what they call the sharp edge of harm's way, right? Don't forget, we're totally against all military take them out into the ocean and just dump them. And if you take the generals in out there and dump them, it, the world would be a much, much better place instantly. The military is the primary cause of war, and conductors are one of the main reasons that we have no uh, real living new music. So I beg your pardon. There is a kind of conducting that's different. But we won't go into that now. I'll let you ponder what that might be. So I'm just as excited about seeing a female conductor as I'm seeing a, a, a female general in charge of the Pentagon. <laughs> We've already had enough Margaret Thatchers. Are they women? No, they're not. I don't know what they are. They're some sort of very corrupt human being. So all we're looking at, are we attacking the person? No. We're attacking the ideology, especially when it's out here 
If we don't take a stand, this meadow, that's why it's called Heartbreak Meadow. It's so unbelievably beautiful. And nobody stands their ground to defend it. That corruption will come in here and just devour it whole. So male, female, young. Well, that music that we heard at the beginning, go back and listen to it again. That's a very powerful masculine energy. And it's also very, in my view, natural. So nature and music is not just this fluffy puppy. They can be that too. New agey kind of stuff. Was imported uh, Buddhist bells and gongs. Not that they aren't unspeakably beautiful. It's much more than that. But just ringing a bell is not going to make us nonviolent. Okay, that's enough for now. Thanks for listening. Signing off for the Circle in the Square website. Check it out, cs-music.com and the Circle in the Square. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now.